Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Dancing Around the Questions. As always, I'm your host, Gerardo, sometimes known as Gato. Um, hopefully you enjoyed the extended interview format because that's here to stay, although it will be perhaps a little more condensed in the future. Regardless, today I'm going to be sharing a conversation that I had with Daisy Bonta of the Richmond Zoo community. We're going to meander our way through various topics as we will continue to do on this podcast but with a special emphasis on the physical and mental challenges that might come with starting out dancing, especially as it relates to overcoming an injury. But we're going to cover a lot of joyous things as well, of course. I learned a lot from Daisy, and I really enjoyed our conversation, so I hope that you all enjoy it as well. So welcome to Dancing Around the Questions, Daisy. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm uh, actually very excited to talk to you mm -hmm. because you, you were asking earlier what gave me the inspiration to do this. Mm -hmm. And it was a conversation last year that you were a part of that, oh. that kind of planted that idea. Interesting. Which conversation? It was one night at Havana. Mm -hmm. It's like Havana 59 downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, like a lot of us who maybe normally don't go there on Thursday nights, w went there that night. Yeah. Um. And afterwards, like I was just walking out with you and your friend, mm -hmm. and I don't quite remember what he asked, mm -hmm. but he, like, he was, I guess, wanting to know why, why we like dancing so much, or like yeah. why, what, yeah, like what brought us into it. Yeah. And. I remember distinctly like each of us giving very different answers. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so that, mm -hmm. yeah, that eventually germinated and sprouted into this. Mm -hmm. ah, well, I love that idea. And I think also when I share my origin story, it'll become more obvious why I think a lot of my friends have more curiosity about it because it, for me, came really out of the blue. And I have pretty distinct reasons that... I think also demonstrate the power of the community, but uh, was it was a surprise. <laughs> so a lot of their they've questioned me a lot. What? Why are you dancing? What do you mean <laughs> you're a dancer? So that's dancers are funny. just normal people. <laughs> just like a special brand of people. A special brand of normal people. Yes, true. Yeah. But we're all good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm very happy to have you, and yeah. I'm glad we could finally get this up and running. Me too. So uh, the general goal of the podcast for me was just to like explore the journeys we've taken in becoming dancers mm -hmm. and like what our motivations and inspirations are mm -hmm. and like where we come from and why we enjoy it so mm -hmm. much. So that'll, mm -hmm. that'll be what this is about. Okay. And I'm not going to like waste time on softball questions. So <laughs> here, here's, here's your first one. All right. What's your favorite color? <laughs> we, I remember we talked about this recently when I was here dancing. My favorite color for years and years has been green. Green. Mm -hmm. It's a solid color. Mm -hmm. I, I went to William & Mary, so <laughs> green green was like not that high up on my color tier list for a long time. <laughs> but being there for as long as I was, it crept up to very close to the top. And that's actually a lot of people like lime green. But my favorite is a strong forest green, which is the same for William and Mary, right? Yeah. Isn't it more of a forest green? Mm -hmm. Yeah, more like a forest green. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very rich color. Yeah. I like it. It's so comforting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes you feel at one with the earth. Yes. So with uh, the, the hard question out of the way, like the rest of the podcast, <laughs> um, so tell us why, well, no. No, I, why is a much more difficult question. Mm. So I will start out with when. When did you start dancing? Mm. Okay, so there are two different ways I could answer that. The first would be in fifth grade I started dancing, although that's uh, – we'll come back to that later. But I really actually started dancing in summer of 2017, and that was a – summer that I was doing an internship abroad in Brazil and so a lot of also my experience with dance and my journey and learning with dance relates a lot to 
experiences abroad in Brazil. Uh, but I had gone away, you know, I had had a pretty difficult semester my junior year and was going into the summer really feeling like I needed to get far away. And a lot of the difficult semester had related to my, my whole life or most of my, uh, the majority of my life over 10 years at that point, I had been a runner and starting in fifth grade was, you know, doing a lot of competitive running. In middle school, I was running on the high school team. In high school, I was running three seasons and then training in the summer and whatnot. And I just accumulated a lot of injury and did have one major injury that required surgery and just left me in a lot of chronic pain to the point even where school became difficult. I had to have a note taker because my hip injury really even hurt my back and my shoulder. So it was just so kind of life altering. And I had finally quit running that semester and said, I really can't do this. And so, uh, yeah, went, had an opportunity to do, it was unrelated to dance. I did field epidemiology research in Brazil and I went with another student from my college who loved Latin dance. And so she was super excited about going to the dance classes in Brazil, and I was not, <laughs> um, because the last experience I'd had with dance was in fifth grade in a dance class when it was a hip-hop class, and we uh, had a choreography to Fergalicious. And I got on stage and completely froze oh, and no. literally just couldn't remember anything. Oh. It was like one of those kind of deer-in-the-headlights moments. So I thought I couldn't dance at all. And then we got to Brazil and she really wanted to take classes and I was, you know, begrudgingly agreed. And it was kind of a, it's so different from running and it was such a new way of connecting with my body. And it also brought me a lot of kind of relief from the pain that I felt because of my injury. And so, yeah, that was the spark. <laughs> it was summer 2017 in Brazil. Well, we're very, we're very lucky to have you in the community. So I'm <laughs> glad, like... It ended up sticking around and mm -hmm. in spite of like the hard physical challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some tough reasons that brought me to it. But I think it's a testament to dance, how much it connects you with your body and with the people around you. That it, w it's, it was during that period of injury, it was really the one thing I could do. And even now when I can do other sports I still am choosing to <laughs> I mean I wouldn't have found run dancing if if not for that yeah so not to make it cheesy but <laughs> no not at all <laughs> like I think like definitely having knowing your body well mm -hmm. and like makes dancing easier of course mm -hmm. like being in shape and everything mm -hmm. and just like dancing is a, a fun physical activity mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. like th that all makes sense yeah well and it's so <laughs> there's if have you ever heard of type one or type two fun those concepts I have not myself so I'm not sure where it comes from it was something that my team my cross-country and track teams would talk about I think that I might mix them up but type two fun is more like running where you are <laughs> miserable <laughs> as you're doing it it's painful it's hard it's not fun as you're doing it but you finish the race and suddenly all of you look back on it and remember it as fun. It's the gratification once you finish. So that's the type two fun. And type one fun is actually enjoying the activity as you're doing it. Um, you know, not to demean running. Running is also a wonderful sport. But dancing is just, I mean, my whole life had been endurance sports. And so actually finding something that was both great exercise, great social interaction, and just so fun and in such a flow state as you're doing it. It was pretty new to me. Yeah. Like uh, the, the mental aspect of dancing is something that, like I've, I've thought more and more about over the years as well. Mm. Because um, I was talking to someone else about this, but learning it is like a, a huge like mental exercise. Mm -hmm. And like sometimes even doing it is just like takes a lot of brain work. Mm -hmm. uh, but like it's all good. It's, it's um it's a really good at mental exercise mm -hmm. and just it makes you feel it makes your body feel nice and mm -hmm. um for me like after after finishing up with school mm. and not really not really like having anything direct to learn not like no more classes no more research mm -hmm. it's provided that like much needed outlet to 
work my brain in addition to mm-hmm. burning some calories and yeah. talking to people. Yeah. And I think one of the elements of running that had initially drawn me to running was you can see your improvement and dance in a, not exactly the same, but in a similar way, you know, one day you can do a move or you can't do a move. You don't, you know, you see someone do it, but you don't know the steps and then you can learn and you can practice, you can break it down. You know, you step here, you step with your left and then your right and you can uh, practice it. And then the next day you can do it. It is really gratifying to, I think not a lot of things in adult life are that direct in, in their learning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, um, I think for me too, because I studied neuroscience in college, and that was a big part also of my experience of chronic pain, was kind of knowing it was, a lot of chronic pain does become more neurological and psychological. It was kind of because I'd been, I'd had that injury for so long I didn't necessarily have the injury itself anymore, but there was the expectation of movement being painful. And so it was also, I think, starting to dance. It does connect you to your body differently. It was an experience of joy that kind of, I don't know, I think created all all new psychological associations with movement, that it doesn't have to be on the treadmill, (laughs) you know, in pain. It can be something that feels so good. And like the, the, I mean, this last year where I'm, I'm just going to date this podcast because why not? This last year, <laughs> yeah. this with the COVID-19 pandemic and everything. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm not a person who dances on my own mm-hmm. and it would probably be good to become more of that kind <laughs> of person. Mm-hmm. But um, I've had to like find other ways of doing stuff with my muscles so they don't shrivel up and turn into raisins <laughs> in, my, mm-hmm. in my arms and all. <laughs> and I already forgot what thread I was going on here. Oh, but yeah, like I, I, I can I can see where, where you're going with those, like this type two, type one. Because mm-hmm. um, I've, I've had to do like more of the type two fun mm-hmm. um, recently. And it, like I, I do notice now versus mm-hmm. back in November how how much further I can run mm-hmm. without like just needing like <gasps> mm-hmm. catch my breath and everything. <laughs> and that's, um, that's satisfying to see, mm-hmm. but it is more satisfying to do a really cool move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that it's shared R- running for me or endurance sports are so individual, but part of what kept me going always was it is, you know, you know, my, not everyone realizes how much of a team sport cross country is, for example, or even track. You're running your individual race, but you're c- adding points to your team. And that's, I think, dance is so special in that way, too, that it's you're with the, your partner. You're not doing it alone. You have to be uh, you have to be uh, y- you're one half of an equation with dance. And so. You have to, you're an important piece. <laughs> you yes. have to know the move and how to do it. Um, but also get to connect with the other person as you're doing it and then have that kind of victory or joy together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally cool. Mm-hmm. So wh- when you were, you said you were hesitant to do this, like partly because of the physical challenges you'd had. Mm-hmm. How was your experience starting off? <laughs> uh nerve-wracking I especially because I was thrown right in it was at the time I was with the other student at our uh, internship abroad and we were living in a city in Brazil called Curitiba and there was we had met someone who brought us to a dance studio that was teaching classes so we started going to the classes after our internship every day and that was okay because they teach you how to do it you're with a partner you know the point is to be learning but the (laughs) truly terrifying moments were then when they said oh we're having a social this weekend oh no (laughs) and so what's the point of learning if you're not gonna go and dance in the socials and I mean I had gone to high school dances I the cross-country team would have dance parties that were purely fun but you know going to I guess I had been to clubs and like done the fist pump thing (laughs) but important starter yeah yeah uh 
But yeah, otherwise, really, my only other experience dancing in front of other people was the stage in fifth grade. And so it kind of felt like that flashback a little bit, the first social that we went to, uh, the moment when someone kind of holds out their hand and invites you out to the dance floor was pretty nerve wracking. But and I do actually very distinctly remember getting elbowed in the face (laughs) for a couple dances. So fortunately, I kept going. Uh, And kind of you're a warrior. Yeah. Well, I think it was more my fault, not their fault, because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, but yeah, I think it is. Dance really is actually something you can learn. You know, you can. It's sort of like mindfulness, but more of like a bodyfulness. Like you can become a lot more conscious of how to be moving your body. And I, I think that's a lot of what I experienced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what dances were you starting out learning or dance if there was only one? Good question. So... I mostly started out learning, that was that summer, I started out learning fohol, which is a Brazilian type, which I know I've taught you, and samba, which is also what most people have heard of from Brazil. And I also, what's funny is I do now remember, I did take maybe one Zouk class. Mm -hmm. So I was aware of Zouk. Definitely once I left that summer, didn't remember it. It was later when I returned to Brazil that I actually, uh, I would credit say that that's when I actually started learning Zouk. Uh, but mainly Brazilian styles. And then when I got back to the U.S. with kind of this new fire to start <laughs> learning social dances, that's when I learned a little bit more of salsa and bachata. Yeah, mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And I, you've probably heard me say this before. I mean, I'm trying to even start teaching more Fojo because... Yeah. And, I, and I'd love to learn some more. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. It's such a... For, I, probably I wouldn't be here now if Fojo hadn't been the first one because it... Not to diminish Fojo at all. It's still so fun, but it... Uh, and has so many elements to it, but it is just easier. The basic steps easier to learn. Uh, you're kind of doing the same there aren't as nearly as many dimensions to it as there there can be with Zook. And so, and it's just so bouncy and has so yeah. much energy to it's, it. So it's, it's mm-hmm. very, it feels very happy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was looking up right before this more of the history of Fohol and there are different kind of theories of where the name came from, but one of them is, was meaning for all all, so from the english because it is more accessible so it was a good one to start with regardless of whether it's a like simple or complex dance like the that's like not really important it's how much you're enjoying it and like Mm -hmm. it's a partner dance how much your partner's enjoying it with you and just like Mm -hmm. putting those things together Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and i think it was the perfect one to learn first while I was in Brazil because because uh, then I went back also a year later with a fellowship after graduating and Fohol is even more common in Brazil than Zouk. Mo- a lot of dancers might not even have heard of Zouk, but everyone's heard of Fohol and in the region where I was living, it was really popular and there were a lot of live bands that would travel around and so every weekend there would be a live band and you could go and they would it's a accordion a triangle (laughs) and a big drum called a zabumba and so i think it also having that live music element made it even more lively uh and so don't mind me i'm just jotting down some notes (laughs) that's okay just like things things i've i've thought about and like i've come up Hmm. now in a couple of conversations hmm I'm curious what what thought you were struck with. Hopefully we can get to it. Okay. But there's so much more to cover. Uh-huh. Um so um as far as like your progression in like mm-hmm. becoming a dancer and all, would would you say like it was like start and stop or did you just like keep trucking on the whole time? Mm. Kind of like get one one rung at a time and just keep going. It was much more start and stop. So I've mentioned that summer I spent in Brazil, but then I went back and was a senior in college and I went to Williams College in Williamstown, Massachusetts, which the closest, Boston is three hours away. The closest Ah. city is Albany, New York, (laughs) which 
maybe Albany has a thriving dance community, <laughs> but I, I never ventured out. Uh, there was a ballroom dance club. Um, throw, uh, yeah, shout out to David Vascones, who I'll send this to because he was the teacher of that and it was amazing. So, you know, once a month, maybe I would do swing dancing or something fun. Yeah. But really for the next year, didn't do much dancing, but still kind of remembered that feeling and remembered all of the joy it brought. And so it was a year later that after I graduated that I got the Fulbright Fellowship to go to Brazil for a year. And so it was really once I went back that I started actually more in stride learning and started with Fojo again, uh, more in a social way, just going, I already knew the moves at that point. So just going to a lot of the weekend socials, there was a community center near where I lived. And so maybe four times a week they would have events. <laughs> and then a couple months in discovered a really amazing community of students that were in a more concerted effort learning Zook and then also Samba. Uh, but then I just lo fell in love with Zook, so that became more of my focus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Cool. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm going to, well, we're going to take a little break right now mm -hmm. just so I can verify this recording. Oh, yeah. The little chaos testing, we had starting testing. out. <laughs> <laughs> and if maybe I'm close enough, I kept. <laughs> hmm, maybe we should have done the testing at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. Well, um, we just had to practice. I'll be more eloquent next time. <laughs> well, uh, we'll be back after this break. Uh-huh. All right, so you've been, uh, and like we've kind of covered this and already in the the other bits that we've spoken about, mm. but um, dance communities you've been a part of, what, like, mm. I guess, however you wanted to find a community. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to get closer to. <laughs> yeah, get in there. So there was that first community in the summer in Brazil in 2017, and, but that was only for, it was the second half of our three month internship. And so it was only a couple weeks, uh, but still keep in touch with some of them. And they, I remember one night we went to, uh, they did a Jack and Jill zoo competition that we watched. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I would never be brave enough to do something like that, which still have not done it, but one day. Um, and then the ballroom dance community at Williams, which was small but mighty. And then there was there were two different dance communities in Brazil the second time. The first was a community just in the town. I was living in a town called Araraquara, which is a couple hours outside of Sao Paulo. And there was a group, uh, they were the Fojozeros, which is people, <laughs> yeah, upset. Zero, you add... Uh, in Portuguese to mean someone that love, like lover of, and so lovers of Fohol. And so they would always on weekends seek out in all of the surrounding towns also where the live bands were. And I would always go and dance with them. And we'd go to Asai is the big thing to do in Brazil. It's kind of like going to get frozen yogurt, froyo. And so we'd go and get Asai after. And then the second community was the uh, student-led group so there were just some students that would teach classes and I it was in the town over but it was worth it to me to take the 45 minute bus there oh. and back each day and there also were some people from my town that would sometimes drive over and that was the group more fo focused on Zook they also had some Samba and then also some Fohol and uh, I think one thing that is really cool about dance is it's pretty intergenerational in all of those different, well, I mean, besides, of course, in college itself, but all of those different communities spanned, you know, people in their early 20s all the yeah. way to, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever you want. Yeah. And that, I think, is a really cool piece because it does also show, for me now, what's really important about movement and exercise is I want to be doing it when I'm 100 years old. <laughs> it's sad to me that I used all of my running juice up, maybe, you know, I'll run, <laughs> continue running, but I used it up <laughs> between ages 10 and 20, it feels like. So what's m more important to me in choosing the movement I'm doing now is can I do it until I'm 100? And so it's great to see that with yeah. dance. That's why you take care of your body, kids. 
Yeah. <laughs> and non-kids. And, right. And 20-somethings. And yeah. Everybody. Uh, and then, of course, the Richmond community, yeah. which surprised me. I really didn't know that Zook existed outside of Brazil until returning. Zook in Richmond is definitely still quite new. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know when the first people started to, like, be taught Zook in mm. Richmond. Because I know our, uh, our instructors in town have been at it for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But I don't know when they started. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll talk to them. I don't know when they started teaching other people here. Yeah. But it's, I think 2018 might have been, like, the first generation official classes or maybe 2019 i think later because to my understanding how it lined up i was returning from excuse me i was returning from the fulbright in brazil the end of 2019 and maybe in november i went to face i was so sad about leaving (laughs) and uh i even have a video of they do a holda or like one of the birthday wheels but they also do it for goodbyes so i have my my goodbye dance and I was so sad to be leaving that community and I looked up on Facebook Zook Richmond and the community popped up huh, Zook RVA that sounds like something <laughs> I want to be a part of yeah yeah who would have thought uh and I didn't know who I was messaging but on Facebook I sent a message to that face the Zook RVA Facebook page and someone responded saying oh hi I'm Will we are just starting up our classes when you get back reach out and you can come and join us and so that's how it all started Richmond has like that that whole um stratification you've t- I don't know if that's the right word but like mm. that whole age range thing mm-hmm. um and there there are lots of different types of people mm-hmm. in it like there are a lot of similar people in it just because that this town attracts certain people, mm-hmm. but uh, you get you get like a little bit of a feel of like the different walks of life people come from. Mm-hmm. When yeah, they don't want to go crazy and dance way too much in a week. <laughs> Not that I would know anything about that. <laughs> well, I had never. My experience of Richmond had been going to high school downtown at Maggie Walker mm. and running through. I know I keep mentioning running, but really that was so much of my life for so long, and so running the trails. Butter, at Buttermilk or Belle Isle or at the Hollywood Cemetery. And so that's how I knew the city, uh, which is also, you know, different as a high schooler. So now uh-huh. as, as an adult, I think dance is such a great way to know that the community. Um, and even through, you know, Zook has so many community connections to also the salsa and bachata scene in Richmond. So that night yeah. at Havana that you were mentioning <laughs> was also the, f- I mean, if you'd asked my high school self if I'd be going out to dance salsa yeah. in Richmond, I would have scoffed. But that was so fun, and there were so many people there. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's always well, it was always packed there mm-hmm. um, when when things were still firing off, mm-hmm. and it, it's just funny how people seem to come together all like that all at the same time. Because <laughs> uh, that was a like heavy dancers' night. Mm-hmm. Well, we there was. Uh, yeah, definitely I don't know the salsa bachata or really the dancing in Richmond besides just in the past year, which has been a pandemic. <laughs> uh, but there yeah. was also the really cool salsa, half zook, half salsa room. At, yes, Mainline. Yeah, Mainline. Mainline Brewery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the first of its kind here because yeah. uh, we had this we had this really wonderful venue, um, Champion Brewing mm. Company, mm. when I first well, a little bit after I moved here, a couple of months, in like tw- from 2017 to 2019. Mm-hmm. And then business reasons, they they shut down. Mm. And we were kind of, we were kind of like, our, our community had really congregated at this. That was like where everyone went and danced. Mm-hmm. And then we were kind of homeless for a couple of months, mm-hmm. exploring different places. And then we came upon Mainline. Mm-hmm. And in that in that little gap of time while... Rachel and Rudy were looking for a new permanent location for the event. Mm -hmm. Like Zook started up, it grew pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. and um, by the by the time they found a new place, Mm -hmm. there was enough interest in like Zook and Kisomba to Mm -hmm. just have a room for that, Mm -hmm. and so, boom. And if I remember, some of the last couple before everything shut down, I mean the Zook room was packed. Yeah, we were we were starting to get people. 
Mm-hmm. Not not just from Richmond as well, but uh, mm-hmm. from Charlottesville, a couple from D.C., and mm-hmm. um, maybe from other surrounding areas. Yeah, Virginia Beach, or even... I realized I lied earlier. I After graduating and before going to Brazil, Liar. I... <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I, uh, I worked in a lab at Duke for nine months, and I uh, did do a little bit of a couple salsa lessons and one zook workshop mm-hmm. and there is a strong community triangle zook my yes, it's called yes, down in the durham raleigh chapel hill I area had to, i think i had to pick between like two different events one weekend mm. where there was like something going on in north carolina and something mm-hmm. going on in dc and mm-hmm. i was like dc this weekend we'll, we'll <laughs> do that another time mm-hmm. well yeah they're strong down there too and at Mainline, I've recognized a couple people from that would have been 2018 in North Carolina. <laughs> and so that's, uh, I think, also the dance community is small enough that you can really start to recognize faces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. birds of a feather flock together and everything. Mm-hmm. And all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there was also the Brenda and Anderson weekender I did last might have been February that was down. Mm-hmm. So they're two, they're from Brazil, but they travel the world doing workshops and they were in North Carolina. And I had never gotten a chance to actually do a workshop with them in Brazil itself, but could go down to North Carolina. So Richmond's uh, fledgling, it's burgeoning, but it's also surrounded by still a lot of people. Yeah, we're, we're really not too in like too far a spot from any of these places. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay to drive a couple of hours to the weekend and then mm-hmm. learn some new things. Mm-hmm. Come back. Have friends to stay with up in DC. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's like, I, I think it's like, it should be a kind of apparent, but you make so many friends dancing mm-hmm. and God, like 90 some plus percent of all the people I know in Richmond are just through dance connections. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when I got back from Brazil, there's always a period of time of transition that's pretty hard. Just yeah. I think because tell me about it. Uh, first of all, just being abroad, but also it's such a, it was such a warm, welcoming kind of accepting. It was just such a it had st- such a strong um, feeling to it that I remember walking off the airport and landed off the airplane, and I think I flew into Florida, feeling it and feeling the difference in the air around uh. me. But it was really, really cool uh, to come back to Richmond, really not have a group of friends. But the two big groups of people that I spent time with were some high school friends, but then also really getting to know new people through the dance community. Um, You know, I remember Mimi and Tom and Will and (laughs) Tinky and people just being so... Karina, actually, who I've still, during the pandemic, done some Wi-Fi outside with. There was one New Year's Eve or New Year's Day event at Chinky's house last year, and Karina... uh, and I danced together for the first time and tested out a couple moves, figured some things out. It just was a really good. It's always so fun. Yeah. And like, you're the guest, but I'm going to sprinkle little bits about myself throughout <laughs> yeah. here because I never want to talk for an hour myself. <laughs> um, but even like I, I went to college in Virginia, grew up in Virginia and everything. And mm-hmm. like finishing up with that it, it was still a difficult transition for me, like finishing up with that and then suddenly going home and college friends had all dispersed everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had that one connection to um, George Mason University's mm-hmm. salsa group. And they do they do like different salsa. They do Miami style salsa. Mm-hmm. And they, they were teaching like mostly in a Reda mm-hmm. format at that time. So that, uh, that the, like that helped me out a lot with just having something stimulating to do mm-hmm. first of all, and like it helped me become a much better dancer just mm-hmm. just on its own. I didn't really have like super structured classes at that point, and I I don't mean to disparage William and Mary. I love William and Mary and Salsa Club. Shout out to all you guys. <laughs> but at the time, we were all like really teaching each other and just trying to like learn the moves for the first time mm-hmm. and then like passing it on to um, the younger generation. Mm-hmm. And so it was just having that 
like basically like to me they were experts at what they were doing just having that was uh really eye-opening and mm-hmm. uh like just really helpful and helping me mm-hmm. feel more confident about social dancing mm-hmm. because uh you, you were mentioning earlier about how well you can learn this dance but can you really do it until you go out and start dancing it with total strangers right going to um asuka classes was mm. very helpful in me because once i moved down here I still very hesitant, still like nervous and quiet and introverted when I was going to mm-hmm. my first Emilio event. But as as I got more used to the town, I mm-hmm. knew I I could dance. Mm-hmm. That that was just important. Mm-hmm. And now here you are hosting a podcast <laughs> <laughs> about dance. About dance. Uh, I think it also. I my impression, if I think back on the little that I knew about social dancing from when I was 15. Well, okay, so here's actually an interesting element that will tie into this, which is that the little I did know actually came from my grandmother. Hmm. She didn't do Latin dance, but she, growing up, I was always aware of how she, uh, she lived in Alabama and as an adult had become involved in the ballroom community there. And I still have one of her pairs of sparkly dance heels even, and so that was sort of all I had known of social dancing or maybe maybe from some shows seeing salsa. But it felt like you had to know you had to my impression of dance was always you had to memorize all of the moves beforehand. Yeah. Rather than develop an intuition or develop this language. Mm-hmm. I think it was really interesting learning dance alongside also learning a foreign language, Portuguese in Brazil, because it is a lot more of developing the muscle memory Mm -hmm. for it and it's also so different from you know learning your uh multiplication tables and having to show up to the test and just spit it all out that to me is a lot more like learning a dance that you're going to do on stage and also be at (laughs) risk then of completely forgetting (laughs) it's it's so much more of like learning to ride a bike or learning a muscle memory and like you don't have to know the move that the other person's leading as a follow at least you can be kind of just open to the signals that they're sending and have a general understanding of the dance to then be able to follow whatever it is that they're guiding, even if it's a totally new move to you. Yeah. Turn pattern itis is something very dangerous for <laughs> new dancers. <laughs> oh, you think everything's about to be a turn? <laughs> um, like not necessarily a turn. This is just like a generic term that mm-hmm. I, I read about on a, a dance blog mm-hmm. where like, if you're like, if you're a dancer and like you, you've been around the block a little bit and you know, like, you know, what's what, Mm -hmm. uh, you can, you can like tell sometimes when people are going to do this and then they're going to do this and then they're going to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, instead of just starting like lead starting this Mm -hmm. and then going here instead, and then putting that piece together with this piece. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, uh, it's like, it can be difficult to break if you, start learning that way Mm -hmm. it's like it becomes like an execution or like a performance Mm -hmm. more so than just spur of the moment Mm -hmm. linking linking the things together or a a conversation yeah like less of a conversation and more like Mm -hmm. reading off a script Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah which i think is such a new way of experiencing one's body and connection to someone else i was just trying to teach a another friend from college I shouldn't say trying. I, I, he was very receptive and did, you know, it took a little bit of warming up to it, but definitely learned some of the basic full whole steps. Mm-hmm. But uh, at first it was, I was trying to show him some of the turns and he would just keep turning and turning and turning or doing, uh, you know, not really being, as I like to describe the leaf, the follow should be the leaf and the lead is the wind blowing the leaf. So you have to just be kind of willing to go wherever it is the wind is is leading you yeah it's a nice way of putting it (laughs) it's a it's a whole new you kind of have to turn off the here are the the steps and the uh here's you have to turn off the like executing part of your brain yeah turn on the more listening open part um like on execution it should be like a matter of you're able to execute the moves like just on like background memory mm-hmm. um at the same time not anticipating that like 
once I do this, I'll do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have become way more interested in technique because to me, that's what technique is. It's the uh, muscle you've practiced, you have executed enough times, sort of the way the, um, you know, heel toe part of it or toe heel or just the avocado pit, you know, way of <laughs> holding your pelvis. Like you've executed kind of the more uh, declarative instructions enough times so that it becomes an implicit muscle memory mm -hmm. that is just happening in the background and you can be more open to then kind of the nonverbal cues that the person is telling you of go this way or that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's still, pretty difficult for me sometimes especially when i'm doing stuff i've been very rusty obviously not dancing in like a year really mm -hmm. um as regularly or regularly at all mm. um and so in the little opportunities i've gotten to dance since mm. it's th things that i probably like could have done and was just like on the cusp of like really just internalizing mm -hmm. have like fallen way back down and so i've Mm -hmm. gotta think too much about it and mm -hmm. some less enjoyable that way mm -hmm. less like l obviously less smooth mm -hmm. yeah but still not lost yeah I think it's it's cool mm -hmm. there's there's something there and it just needs to like give, be given an another opportunity to grow mm -hmm. yeah i had as part of my recovery from my my running hip injury i just had to do a lot of so much PT that was much more about here's how I'm kind of much more postural, not like strengthen this memory, this muscle group or stretch in this way, but was more like relearn how to walk in mm. a way that's not straining my hip flexors or in a way that's, you know, tilting my pelvis in a neutral way and stacking my head on my shoulders, on my ribs, on my <laughs> hips, on my knees, on my feet. You know, it was much more about kind of thinking of the, not having to force my body to move a certain way, but making that the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of making really small incremental shifts so that then that would become the way, <laughs> the <laughs> way like that could be helpful to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of time and it's not what it's not what with work. We're just sitting in a chair all day long, not really thinking about our bodies, yeah. but I try and incorporate that dance helps me incorporate that into more of my day to day because I can stop for a five minute break and do some dancing exercises, which is kind of grounding me back into my body. I've definitely had moments where everyone's left for the day. I'm usually one of the last people in the lab mm -hmm. and then just start doing some zook laterals or some like casino and toothless steps mm -hmm. and just like little, little bits of training for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I could get. I try to do, I could definitely get a little better at of, I mean, it only takes a minute here or there that can add up. You do that a couple times a day that can really add up over time. And you know, with dance, it's, you know, it's also important to have the hour that you go for the class, but also it can just be incorporated because all you really need is your body and some yeah. music. <laughs> pretty awesome mm -hmm. so we we mentioned like moves and steps earlier what are some of your like favorite types of moves mm. and whatnot, if any yeah so i'll start with at the beginning some of my i think what really initially hooked me on to full was there are just so many amazing twirls and swirls and the basic step you're just doing that over and over but there are so many different ways to be uh, turning around each other there's one called the chouvignon uh, which means like little shower and so I really like that one because it's also uh, you're sort of the follow is in front the leads behind and you have your hands over your head and you're going back and forth and you kind of look over your shoulder at the person at the lead behind you. So you get to kind of do a little, uh, it's kind of a little sassy, <laughs> <laughs> which I find enjoyable. Uh, and then, and then with any, I think some of my favorite moves are just the ones that are really up close in the embrace, because that's also a way of 
moving and dancing that was pretty new to me. I had to spend a lot of time, still need to spend a lot of time focusing on isolations. Uh, but I really like the fine-tuned, really fine motor movements. I think that's so impressive and really satisfying to do and to feel that connection with another person also. Yeah. The um, the Embrace weekend where I went up to D.C. with was... I don't know, maybe life changing. I don't know, like it mm. changed the angle of my life in some way, and I, mm-hmm. I won't know until I can look back on it, like a couple of years. But it was mm. at that point like the craziest dance training I'd ever done, mm-hmm. and uh, it was really cool. And like, I, I, I look forward to being able to learn more about that stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it's special, and with all those, like. With people that I got like um, some good dances with in that weekend, like I definitely like that connection still exists, mm-hmm. and like it's 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 pretty crazy. Yes, yeah, and what people will say <laughs> about Brazilians, which I can validate is true, is a, a difference between the U.S. dancers or U.S. taught versus Brazilian and Brazilian taught. Is it's uh, they're they hold nothing back when it comes to the embrace. That is just totally normal for them. You know, this friend I was mentioning who I was teaching full whole, he commented he just wasn't used to being that close, you know, feeling someone else's body yeah. unless it's a partner that who you're, you know, romantic with. And But that just becomes so normal to be interacting with someone that way. And I think that is pretty cool. And especially there were some – I went to one really cool congress in Brazil that was about inclusivity in dance – and so, you know, women can be leads, LGBTQ friendly, like, you know, people with disabilities, how to be dancing with someone in a wheelchair. It was just so including different, you know, uh, black people or different races in dance. And it was really cool also that, you know, I can be dancing that close to a woman and it doesn't have to be it, it just is so it doesn't have to be kind of the gender norms either. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You can be. I could be leading another woman or she could be leading me, I think is, uh, it just kind of like blows the, what's the, what's an expression? It just like kind of opens everything up, I think. I think the, um, we're starting to see more of a shift in the U.S., mm-hmm. but, um, and this is a, a point that I wrote down earlier while we were talking. Oh. The um, partner dance, I would say, is not, it's not a part of the culture in the U.S. in the same way that it is in other countries like mm-hmm. Cuba and Brazil where mm-hmm. you just grow up dancing all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we we don't learn it as part of the culture necessarily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it comes up through, like, a college class or mm-hmm. um, just, like, a specific subculture dance community. Mm-hmm. And that that like changes the way that changes the way you see a dance. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had mentioned this in a pre- previous conversation we were having and I don't know. <laughs> I read it on a blog. I'm don't have the source to cite exactly. I'll go looking for it, but it was a concept of, of movement and non-movement culture. And I know for me, I, besides my grandmother who I never actually saw ballroom dance, but I just heard about it. I really didn't have much exposure to people dancing together or dancing that closely uh, or kind of having that be what social interaction or social gatherings could be based in, whereas it is so strong in Brazil. And I don't know, we should start a movement. (laughs) We need to make a movement to turn this into more of a movement-based culture. (laughs) Yeah, tough going, but um, we're, (laughs) at, at least we can do it, so. Yeah. We have a starting spot. Yeah. Like I, I, I mean, I hope that non-dancers might be listening to this podcast and mm. sort of, I don't know, get like one little sparkle, one little faraway star twinkle mm-hmm. of an idea of why we sacrifice our sleep on Tuesday nights to <laughs> do a couple of dances <laughs> with friends. Mm-hmm. Here's a question for you. I know you're supposed to be asking me, but I have a question for you. Get out of here. (laughs) 
why why do you think it is that most people either would be not interested or turned off or just have some sort of barrier to entry to want to learn a social dance i mean it it varies person to person um place to place cuz the us isn't one monolithic culture right yeah um leads us to some problems sometimes but I feel like because you don't well actually there are a couple of different things. God, it's tough. <laughs> it, it's hard for me to focus I can on rescind any it. one of them. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it's tough for me to focus on any one of them, but like because we don't have that movement-based culture, because mm-hmm. we don't have like a a strong dance culture in the US. Mm-hmm. Dance is seen as I could be wrong now. Things might be changing. Mm-hmm. Like dance is seen as this thing where you do it at dance schools yeah and like when when people think of dance maybe also they're thinking of like a like a frat party or like a a Mm -hmm. dance party at a bar i'm I'm doing air quotes um (laughs) just so you guys know where there's like club music playing and there's like some sort of physical motion being Mm. done Mm. but it's not like a uh it's not a systematic dance Mm -hmm. let's say Mm mm-hmm um, so hmm. that's one thing. I think I don't want to t- sound like a total snob either, but the uh, uh, but kind of on that same line, like the music and dance culture in the U.S. also isn't quite hmm. very well developed. Hmm. Um, and I I say that mostly from like a like salsa perspective, maybe, mm-hmm. but it's just like mu- music cl- it was it was another thing where like a couple of people did music classes i I did orchestra in elementary school and like mm-hmm. throughout throughout grade school mm-hmm. it's not something everyone did yes and so if you don't if you don't have that little like long long nourished understanding of mm-hmm. music in general mm-hmm. you don't have that one additional avenue to get interested in the dance yeah and for me the the musical avenue of like Cuban music is was mm. was so important. I uh when I was like listening to salsa as a teenager, I was like, all these songs sound the same. Mm-hmm. Um I, a little dumb because what, what was I listening to at that point? <laughs> um but I I get to Asukar, I start doing their classes and I hear this whole insane new world of music that's to someone on the street comparing it to like a, a salsa band that i'd heard as a teenager mm-hmm. they're you know they're playing trumpets they're playing trombones they're doing their like um lead singer and chorus interaction but the way it's put together in a game changing mm-hmm. <laughs> i just moved my mic so i could actually look at gerardo <laughs> how did i not think of doing that 45 minutes ago <laughs> anyway not to throw off your thought yeah (laughs) but it it was game changing yes (laughs) um just um it's so complex it's Mm. it it just really tickled that part of my mind where like i don't Mm -hmm. it's just like what what i was mentioning earlier where you're you're leading someone and you start this thing off but Mm -hmm. they don't know where you're gonna go and maybe you don't necessarily you know where you're gonna go Mm -hmm. but if you're both good dancers Mm-hmm. you know what's going to happen if it goes in this direction or that direction mm-hmm. and you're just like doing a little like improvisation you're you're having mm-hmm. a conversation with your bodies yeah and with um with timba music when i like started getting into it um dancing at asuka it's like it does that same thing where you know like it, it's leading you this way but it's not quite going to happen at the time you expected, or it's not going to be mm-hmm. the the thing you expected. The mm-hmm. the verse, like the the singer and the chorus, in a in like a, a very straightforward salsa song would be the singer says a line and then the chorus either repeats the line or like gives a response. Hmm. And in some of these songs, they'll just be all be singing over each other. And on top of that, there are going to be like 20 other instruments playing their like percussion or their notes or their bass lines. Mm-hmm. 
and it's just this crazy beautiful thing to me mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that really attracted me to like the the red dances and casino and song mm -hmm. so like how those two things link up yeah and finally bringing it back around to my original point <laughs> the there's not necessarily this link up between the physical motion and like the the music the, the sounds mm -hmm. um in in the u.s culture mm -hmm. that's this is what i've seen i could just be speaking out of my ass <laughs> well i think at least in more of the pop music i mean in high school my <laughs> uh experiences were on the cross-country team dancing to Katy Perry <laughs> which don't get me wrong of course I loved and was amazing but that's really different from the co-evolution I, I would yes you know, yeah. of, that's, of, a, that's um, a great way of putting yeah it. of music and those instruments with the culture of dance and I think that also was part of what made me appreciate so much my time in Brazil was both with Zook is a whole other thing because it's more DJ based, which is also pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But it's like uh, I, <laughs> we don't have enough time for this, but this could this could be its own podcast. Yeah, uh, but going to Samba Holdas, there was a one bar downtown in the in Araraquara, and every Friday they would have a Samba Holda, which is basically a, the band of people playing Samba music. And people at first would just be sitting around at the tables, having some cerveza, some beer. <laughs> and then slowly, you know, over the next 20 minutes, over the next hour, a couple people would start, would get up and start dancing. And then even more people. I mean, it just, if there's a live band in front of you, you can't help but dance. And the same as, I think, with Fohol, that it was so much having people yeah. that had trained in their instruments and formed a band to play live for also the purpose of, I mean, you can sit and enjoy it, but it's really for the purpose of the dance and the rhythms and the, that social encounter. So I think that's pretty different. Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, I was talking to Will about that too, how in there, there are just like some musics and dances that mm -hmm. it's, it's so drastically different having a um, like recordings Mm -hmm. playing versus having a live band in mm -hmm. like playing for you guys because mm -hmm. we had for the last richmond salsa bachata dance congress we had a live salsa band from new york mm. avenida b mm. if you're listening shout out to you guys <laughs> like it would be a miracle if you guys heard this but still <laughs> uh it was it was so different like they, they were playing songs i knew but having them there mm -hmm. like doing things their own way and just like interacting with the crowd was mm -hmm. I'd like a whole different dimension. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I've thought about is how having that sort of interaction is like having another partner while you're dancing. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to sit with that one. <laughs> yeah, it is really. And it adds, uh, especially I think with, this would be true with Fahol. They, you know, the singers make little comments in between. It's like having the extra commentary on the day or it just situates it. It's not just any other song that could have been recorded in a studio. It really places it. I think what's so amazing about dance, too, is you like I really like um, I've realized I really appreciate and I'm seeking out sports or ways of moving where you just have to be you can't do anything else but focus on what you're doing at that <laughs> moment. Uh, rock climbing, I've gotten a little more into is another example of that. I just went skiing. You know, if you're not focusing on where you're going, you're going to hit a tree. And dance is also, you have to just be open to the next moment and the next move and the yes. next signal. Yeah. Um, and the next note that the band is going to play also or the next, I think when it's live, it really could then also go anywhere. It's so much less expected. <laughs> Let's finish it off with one more, uh, one more fun question. Um, is there a specific festival or like congress or event that you really enjoyed? A favorite? Mm. Put it another way. Mm. That's a good question. Oh, hard to choose. I think that. Can I say two? Please? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so there was. Uh, 
I've mentioned this before, but I did go to something that was called the, let's see if I can remember the name, Encontro Contemporaneo de Danza de Salon. So the contemporary kind of meeting of for salon dancing or for social dancing. And that was in Sao Paulo right at the end of my, at the end of 2019, the year I spent with Fulbright in Brazil. And it was put on by this dance troupe that really cares about promoting inclusivity in dance. And so a lot of the workshops weren't even about, some of them were moves, but it was a lot more kind of how is it, what are some techniques in order to incorporate more inclusivity in dance? So for example, what are, how do you like change your muscle tension to be signaling to the other person that you want to become lead? Or how can you be, if you're dancing for whole kind of what, where are the junctions in the moves where you can switch lead and follow? Um, or even some silly ones that weren't about moves at all or the dance steps at all, but you had to get a partner and just sort of do maybe a bit more like in the U.S. There's con uh, not contact tracing. That's <laughs> <laughs> also <laughs> dating us. Uh, contact improv, you know, a bit more of how is it that you can just be encouraging that communication that is much more freeform. And so, and then they also had some conversations that were from people of different types of uh, minority backgrounds talking about their experience with the dance community. And it just was, I think the group of people that that type of Congress attracted were just amazing, really, really interesting, cool people. Uh, definitely, I, I've been trying to, when I was in Brazil, I purposely tried to learn to lead for hold so that I could come back and not be dependent on someone else knowing yeah. it, right? So that I could actually teach it. But what I also learned, and also through this Congress, I think seeing a lot of strong women leading made me realize that it's, that's something I want to do yeah. and, and can do. Um, and like I said before too, you know, having it not have to fall across the gender norms. Women can also dance with women. You know, it can be really, uh, men can dance with men. Like it can just be way more free form. Yeah. And I, I, I want to give another shout out to Asuka because, um, their their instructors are also big on making sure a guy knows the fall apart mm -hmm. the the, the mm -hmm. girls i mean i mean leads know the fall apart mm -hmm. falls know the lead part mm -hmm. so you you un you really get a holistic understanding of the dance that way yeah and they they started incorporating that more into their curriculum once like after i had gone mm -hmm. started doing switch moves mm -hmm. so suddenly you're mm -hmm. well you were the lead but now you're the follow so right change yeah. that little part of your brain yeah yeah uh yeah like speaking of of i think zook has so many dimensions to it because it can add also a lot of interpretation but with any dance you can add a whole other dimension to it by adding kind of that switch element um and so that was one and then and there would be, there were some of the evening, the night dances where you'd see like five people dancing Zook together. <laughs> it just was some of the most mind blowing yeah. experiences. Uh, and then also I went to another Zook Congress at the end of my time in Brazil. This one was a little more traditional, uh, but there was one night, it was called Zuki and Beachy. And it was on a, it was in the South of Brazil on one of the beautiful beaches and it was kind of in this castle-like building huh. on the top of a hill. Very, it felt very fairy tale. And the last night of the Congress, so the last social, I think at 7 p.m. the social started, and it just kept going literally until 7 a.m. the next day. Like we just kept dancing, and there was kind of a big glass door you could go out onto a balcony and I remember going out and seeing the sunrise and people were still dancing outside on the balcony it just the I think just the the commitment and uh it, I mean it speaking I've mostly am an endurance athlete it also requires a lot of endurance yeah um, so that was also very memorable yeah again dancers we're normal people we're just a <laughs> different breed of normal people yeah, yes <laughs> definitely <laughs> um <laughs> i think though those types of experience are what i'm it kind of it keeps me chasing more of that mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully, we we're all able to get back into it mm-hmm. sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and safely. It was my experience was running was a bit more that it was taken from me. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have a choice if I could still. I mean, I can run. I go out on runs now and then, but don't really have the ability to compete because of my injury, and it brought me back to that a little bit of, of dancing being taken away. I know so many people in the pandemic so much has feels like has been taken away, but we are getting back to it. And hopefully I feel like I'm, I sometimes try too hard to find a silver lining, but I think it's been, I've learned way more about Wi-Fi during the pandemic, yeah. which is also just a, can be a natural element of the dance itself. So might not have focused on that if not for the pandemic mm-hmm. and have actually learned that fully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up. But thank you so much again for agreeing to sit down and waste an hour with me. <laughs> <laughs> an hour, yeah, used well. It was so enjoyable. I'm so excited to see what this becomes. Yeah, th- this this has been really fun so far. And uh, mm-hmm. hope uh, you, the listener, are enjoying it as well. <laughs> All righty. Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments about our conversations or would like to appear in a future episode of the podcast, send an email to dancingquestions at gmail.com. Her theme song is Kiss and Tell, Breezy Bossa Nova by Keshko. The photograph used in our artwork was taken by Ardian and Lumi, available on Unsplash. Logo and artwork were created by Lydia Francis. Please visit our website for links and further details. Also, follow us on Instagram, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to keep up with our latest content.